Hello and welcome to episode 5 of The Bible and Me podcast. Episode 5 is hosted by Nigel Watts and our guest is Alex Ewing of The Bridge Project in Salisbury, Wiltshire. The Bible and Me podcast is a series of interviews with influential Christians sharing stories of how the Bible has impacted their journey of faith and their ministries. Welcome to the Precept Ministries UK Bible and Me podcast. And uh, I am really thrilled today um, to welcome Alex Ewing with us. Alex, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Alex is director of the Bridge Youth Project, which is a Christian schools work uh, based in Salisbury, um, which really have a passion to make a tangible difference in the lives of children and young people in the Salisbury area. Uh, Alex has been married to Becky, and uh, I see that, that you just had your fifth wedding anniversary recently. That's right, which absolutely. Is awesome. You have a beautiful <laughs> daughter, Charlotte. Um, and looking at your Facebook feed, you're a keen sportsman as well. Mm. Uh, but um, also, <laughs> I know that life hasn't always been easy for you, and you battled with um, illness and depression in your time. And it'd be great to, to have a chance to talk about that. But mm. just. Um, Opening question for you: How did you how did you become a Christian? Well, Nigel, th- first of all, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited about doing this. And how did I become a Christian? Well, I think you speak to people, and they often say, "Oh, my testimony is quite quite dull because I grew up in a Christian family and came to faith." How many people's stories are like that? But really, you know, everyone's story is is different, even if you know they have similarities. And for me. I went through Sunday school. I went through all the different groups. I remember crying from going from Pathfinders up to YPF at the big change in my life and the scary old people uh, who were 16. <laughs> and, um, and for me, I, I knew all the stories. I did all the craft growing up. I, um, you know, all, the, all these great stories in the Old Testament. I could tell you all of them. But for me, I, I really wanted the reality of these stories to hit home. I wanted to know that these stories were real and not just stories that I learned in school. You know, nice fictional stories, nice moral, good moral stories. Um, I wanted to know that the God who, who opened the sea was the God who was the personal God for me, who, who was real and alive today. Mm. And um, I think for me, I, I went on summer camps uh, they were crucial for me because I went to church every week. Yeah. I was a good boy in many ways, uh, although I'm sure if you ask my parents, they'd say quite a different <laughs> But <laughs> But uh, for me, I went to this summer camp at the age of 14 and I sat down in our dormitory group, a group of lads. Yeah. We were about to have hot chocolate, about to have a pillow fight probably and, and try and sneak into the girls' dormitories um, as, a, as a standard sort of summer camp, naughty boys type thing. But for me, our, our dormitory leader said, look, we're going to study the Bible together and we're going to pray every night. And um, for me, it wasn't the highlight of why I was there, really, as a 14-year-old. Um, but in that moment, I said to God, do you know what, God? I, I know all the stories. I know so much about you in theory and yet I so yearn for a, a, the reality of you for your your closeness and for a relationship with you and God if you're real 
then I want to follow you with my whole life and give everything to you because what I know about you in theory is too good to turn down. Right. But if you're not real, then I'm not going to waste my time. And that's the prayer that I prayed as a 14-year-old, quite a bold prayer. And I prayed that in this little group. I said, God, I want to know that you're real. And nothing happened. The next night, I prayed the same prayer. Nothing happened. <laughs> the next night, I prayed the same prayer and nothing happened. And it's quite a watershed moment for me because I thought, I'm going to go home after this. I'm getting a bit older. And I can start to either reject this this sort of paternal, maternal thing that's been passed down to me from my family, or I can believe it for myself. So it's quite a key, key moment. <laughs> to sort of, I felt like a black male God, you know, God, you're going to have to show yourself to me, otherwise, you know, in my, my youthfulness. And on the final night, still nothing had happened, and it was the Friday night, we were sitting down, hot chocolate was warming up, and, uh, and I said the same prayer, God, if you're real, I want to follow you with my whole life. If you're not, then I don't want to waste my time. And suddenly... There was this overwhelming feeling of love. I can't explain it, just all over my body. And a clear picture, as clear as any picture, of who I knew to be Jesus. And he said, Alex, I gave my life for you. And I just, you know, I burst into tears. I just was overwhelmed with joy, overwhelmed with joy and emotion. And even every time I talk about it now, I can see you're getting I get a bit emotional because <laughs> it, it was just a real big moment for me. And I think for, in that moment, everything that I learned before in theory became practice. And um, suddenly, you know, the hot chocolate wasn't as exciting, and the, and the pillow fighter. I just wanted to, you know, to encounter this God who'd encountered me. And it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. And I think I came home that that week. A changed person you know and my mum could see it in me that something had changed mm. um, so this was 14 years old 14 years old young lad young lad heard it all yeah going to church yeah but week in week out but wanted the reality and wanted the reality a, what an awesome prayer though yeah. and, and the persi- <laughs> yeah, bold persistent prayer as well yeah that's right every mm. night yeah and I don't know what would have happened if, if that you know so what changed what changed? I think for me, it was, I had encountered God's love and um, him personally. And so I had a real hunger. There's something there's a real hunger in me to go deeper with God and to know this God, not just to have that experience and live on it for years, but to know that God day in, day out. And it, it opened my eyes to really the reality of the world that we're living in, you know, and it made suddenly everything made sense, the world around me. And I saw I saw the stories. I went back to church and I saw the stories and I saw the worship in its right context. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt alive. You know, I just wanted to delve into the Bible. I wanted to hear more about him. Yeah. You know, um, it was that way around rather than going to the Bible first and then encountering him it was like I've encountered him now I just want to know more of him so there was a hunger I think fantastic as a young boy yeah and I mean that's you know it's not easy um having had such an experience as a young lad 14 years old and school and of course 
you know, how did that work out for you in, in your school journey? Um, being at school and others, they know you're a Christian. I mean, sometimes that can be really tough for, for young people. Yes, it was tough. It was tough. I was in a little boys' school and um, there wasn't a Christian union or, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, they knew that I was a church boy. So I already had that reputation as a <laughs> church boy. So in many ways, they couldn't quite grasp the idea that the difference between a, a good going to church on a Sunday religion yes. and a faith in Jesus. Yeah. And so they already sort of, you know, digged me and, and you know, gave jibes for being a Christian and, and stuff like that. So I was used to that in many ways. But having encountered God as I did and becoming a Christian in that sense, I, I was just, I was a lot less afraid about how they would react to me. I remember having a voicemail from one of my friends mm. anonymously and they were saying, oh, and they were, you know, saying things down the phone, oh, you were, this is God and, you know, you're, you know, just basically just sort of trying to, trying to get a reaction from me. And, um, and to be honest, after that experience, though the idea, the concept of being bullied for my faith was far less daunting because I believed it, I knew it to be real. And so, you know, um, it doesn't mean that I was I was preaching down the corridors, but I was a lot more f confident in my faith and, and knew that it, it to be real mm. and it was impacting my life. And, and, you know, that area was a lot less difficult. Mm. And we started a Christian union, myself and a couple of other guys, and we invited a, a doctor from our church who was who worked part-time and he came and led the Christian Union with us. So, awesome. so that was great. Yeah, fantastic. Now, you're obviously you, you're keen sportsman. Yes. Uh, did you, you playing sports at school, you? Yes, I was. Tell us a little bit about your sporting career. <laughs> My sporting career. I, I, you know, I ate, slept and lived for football. <laughs> I absolutely did. You know. Do you have a favourite team? Uh, Crystal Palace is uh, my team which is great because it doesn't really offend anybody <laughs> it means I can be friends with most people <laughs> um, apart from Brighton fans you know that, that's okay. the, the rivalry did you, but, ever go, did you ever go and watch them? oh yeah we had a season ticket and no. um, used to go quite regularly did you? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I went to one football match in my entire life my, no. my headmaster um, was an Arsenal supporter and we went to go and watch Arsenal play Man United George Best this is so you how, no how old I am George Best. George Best was playing on the pitch and I remember um, Arsenal lost 3-2 and the head man was really cheesed off by that but George <laughs> Best scored a goal I think it was in the first 10 minutes of the match from within inside his own half God. unbelievable no. he saw the goalie sort of you know mind in neutral you yeah. know whatever yeah, and he whacked the ball and he scored the goal absolutely <laughs> awesome. and you were there for that was there. the only wow. match I've ever been to <laughs> Headmaster not happy. <laughs> you need to go to more matches if yeah. you're going to draw that kind of uh, drama. That's yeah. that's great. No, I, I was a big, big football fan. Um, I loved, I loved kicking the ball around. I just lived for sport. I loved tennis. Um, probably not as much as you and I, Joel, but but I I just love sport. I love sport. Um, I was always playing it. And you were in the teams. I was in the teams. Yeah, yeah. in the school teams. And for me, um, I got to uni. And I joined my the, the uni team. I made it into the uni team, the second team for Oxford Brooks University. Um, and I was a, a football coach as well, so I had a coaching badge and, and things like that. Um, and I just loved the game. I loved it. And for me, it, that was who I was. I was a footballer. That was my identity. Yeah. And though I'd met, I was a Christian and I loved Jesus, um, 
in many ways, I think my love for football and my love for sport and my love for being active was probably more my identity, if I was really honest, than my identity as a follower of Jesus. That's so interesting. Um, and looking back only now and in recent years, have I realised that? And so I think the journey that I will talk about soon yeah. is related to that, I think, yeah. probably. Yeah. I, you know, I, I wonder how many of us... Um, have pursuits that are not following Jesus. I mean, we're a Christian, just as you described. We're, yeah. we're, we're Christian and we go to church and, and we do all things. But actually, you know, if you were to ask the questions, well, um, how do you spend your time? How do you spend yes. your money? Yes. Uh, you know, what are you doing at the weekends? Uh, what do you do in the evenings when you've got your free time? Yes. Um, then maybe those things may point to a different story. And I think you know yes. what you've brought there is a very is a very valid point. And mm. uh, I think mm. uh, I can I can relate to that with tennis. Uh, I was in yeah. exactly the same position. Sure. Uh, you know, every waking moment I was on the tennis court or playing tennis matches. Um, yeah. So I think it's uh, there may be some listening here. Um, and that may be a word for you uh, just mm. to consider that you know mm. what are you doing spending your time how are you spending your money and actually yes. has it become an idol in a sense yeah well they have for me really I think so I think so yeah you know because I think who who was I if I wasn't a sportsman who was I if I wasn't able to be active and and so so your identity was wrapped up completely in completely wrapped up enveloped in yeah in Alex as a active person, Alex as a as a good football footballer. Um, mm. you know, um, that was who I was, yeah. particularly at the age of twenty one yeah. when I was playing for my team. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Now um, it wasn't always easy though, was it, in mm. terms of um, I mean it sounds you know, you've come to faith, mm. uh, you're living that out at school, you're you're at university, you're a very keen sportsman. Um, but then Things happened, didn't they, in their twenties, which mm -hmm. actually became very difficult. And yeah. could you just describe what those things were yeah. and how that impacted on your life and your faith journey? Of course, yes. I mean, I I went to to uni and I was very healthy. I never had many problems growing up, health wise, and I felt invincible. I really did. I felt completely invincible. And um, I know it sounds terrible to say, but I just thought, you know. Um, Nothing's going to happen. Nothing can get in the way of, of me just enjoying myself and doing sport and, and, and just living my life, you know. And um, Christianity had always been an easy thing. I'm a Christian. God is good because life is good. And um, and so I was coaching in the summer holidays after my first year at uni. I had a great year. Uh, I joined a great church. I was playing sport every waking moment I could. Uh, even missing lectures sometimes because I was playing sport. Um, but hopefully my parents aren't listening to this. <laughs> and, you know, and so I was coaching my first week of a coaching job in Oxford. And um, I went over on my um, on my leg coaching this girls team. They were six or seven year olds. So quite embarrassing, really. And um, uh, fell over and I ruptured all my ligaments and, and broke my leg and um you know the girls were shouting get up you wuss you know yeah. um you're not really you're faking it and i was so much pain and that was the moment really the catalyst for the next years i i, I had to go home because i obviously i couldn't do my job anymore so i came back home to london and 
was told eight weeks recovery. And for me, at that stage, eight weeks was just forever, you know, forever. And uh, I really struggled with that. And, um, and basically, to cut a long story short, I came back to uni briefly and my world had changed. I wasn't able to be active anymore. My leg was still hurting and, mm. you know, it needed to be broken again. So I had to go and have another operation to get it broken again because I hadn't set properly and no one had spotted that my ligaments had all been severed. So I had my ligaments gummed back together again in an operation, rebroken, and had to pull out of uni for a year. So I left uni for a year back home again. Mm-hmm. And suddenly all my dreams, all my hopes, all my expectations... Um, were dashed and I thought where am I I was in the, the loneliness of my bedroom which I associated with my my past of at school and now I was a man and I had my world the world was my oyster and and here I was back in the stillness of my room in, you know incapacitated and I thought God where's God in yeah. this yeah. and I um just quickly you know, I, I developed uh, I actually just a very funny element to it but I Decided I wouldn't shave for six weeks, try and grow a beard and raise some money for charity in the process. But all the only reason I did that was because I wanted to impress this girl at my uni um, and raise money for the charity that I knew she liked. You were able to grow a beard, were you? Uh, I'd never grown a beard before, so it was like, I'm not going to shave for six weeks. Would you sponsor me? And the only sponsorship money I had was from this girl. <laughs> so I raised five pounds. Uh, and... Um, as a result, I got severe acne on my face, so really quite severe. And I got given some run-of-the-mill antibiotics, which I was, without knowing, I was severely allergic to. One in a million chance, apparently. Oh my goodness And me. so what I, what I ended up having was acute pancreatitis, drug-induced hepatitis. And I was on a drip and told that I was a couple of days away from my liver actually eating itself, which would have been, that would have been it. And so I was in and out of hospital for what seemed an eternity, loads of different things. I lost about four stone of weight and went down to about eight stone and um, lost some of my hair and I just looked emaciated. And and for me, I was at my lowest point, you know, just everything that I thought life was about, you know, um, I wasn't seeing. Taken away from you. Taken away completely. Um, I had the, the metal pins taken out of my leg whilst I was recovering from acute pancreatitis and, and, and I contracted MRSA and I ended up being in hospital again and, and um, being given a, a severe, you know, case, intensive, intensive case of, of um, antibiotics to deal with that. So, so, and then... <laughs> How was, I mean, that sounds horrific for, mm. for any, I mean, any one of those, you know, a broken leg is yeah. horrific, but one thing on top of another. Yeah. Where... Where was God in that situation? Mm. Um, mm. How did you how did you reconcile what was going on with you physically, mm. and not just um, at one point, but one thing after another with your faith? Yes. What, what was what was going on um, there? Well, um, that's a great question, and that for me was the crux of what I was asking and what I was searching for. Where is God? Why me? Um, why all this? And um, and I think I, when I was at home, I had nothing to do. I couldn't do anything. And so funnily enough, it caused me to go to God. It was like all the, all the distractions of every waking minute playing football, every waking minute chasing after the things that I thought would be of most value. Yeah. Suddenly, here I was in my room, 
and I always had the Bible open and I, was, I had the time to speak to God and I received the gift of tongues in that in my room and ended up speaking in tongues and I remember there was a time in my room and I just got down on my knees and I said God whatever you're doing I just surrendered I surrendered to it and that was another sort of watershed breakthrough moment but this idea that God the big thing for me was is God good the goodness of God yeah even when your life seems to be you seem to be in the mire in the pit and I under, I was learning in lots of hard ways and there were lots of difficult difficult times and times when I really doubted God but ultimately I was learning the goodness of God and that no matter what was happening in your life God is good and it was a, a better form of goodness than I than, than the goodness of God that I thought before which was that God is good if life is good God yes. is good when life is fluffy and lovely yes and Yes, people are going through hard times, but that's not happening to me. So yes. I can, God is good, right? Yes. Come on, guys. But when I was in the middle of this deep depression, which came on a little bit later than that, and and still unable to kick a ball around and, and do all that I loved, I was very, um, I was just learning the goodness of God, that no matter what life circumstances were, um, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Yeah. And there was there was a verse um, from Psalm 130, <clears throat> verse 6, which was hugely challenging for me. And it goes like this. It says, I long for the Lord. Yes, more than watchmen long for the morning. Yes, more than watchmen long for the morning. And it's like the psalmist repeated that bit just to accentuate. What are you longing for? Mm. That was the challenge for me. You know, is my life about sporting success? Is my life about being able to function physically? Is that, you know, what am I chasing after here? Mm. Am I longing for sporting success and for fame and for recognition, which we all naturally in, our, in ourselves want to go for? Mm. Um, or am I longing to know God in a deeper way and, and is that my ambition mm. and so this idea that the psalmist you can imagine can't you being a watchman or on sentry duty and it's two in the morning and you're just longing for the dawn you just oh it's been a cold night and you're just desperate for that sun to rise because mm. and it's like I long for you more than that even more than that I long for you there was a deep yearning and I think the psalmist you know, David, it, I, I instantly connected. Yeah. So I'm quite an emotional guy. I'm quite a, um, I love poetry. I love, you know, so I think for me, the Psalms were what I delved into with my whole heart because here was a guy who had his ups and downs but poured his heart out to God. And as far as I was concerned, that's what I wanted to do, even in the difficult times. That's a very mature response, yeah. I have to say, because you, you know, humanly speaking, you could easily have blamed God, mm. maybe even doubted your faith, <laughs> and, and actually that could have perhaps have been a catalyst for going completely in the opposite direction. But I mean, to say mm. what you've said there is, is quite remarkable, actually, that you God was a good God despite what you were going through. I mean, yes. that is a really, mm. that is a wonderful uh, response, really. There's a lovely verse which you just reminded me of, in, also in the Psalms. Mm. Um, it's one of my favourite verses. It's Psalm 16, verse 8. 
And Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Yes. Um, you yes. basically just said that. Yes. You know, I, I'm yes. setting the Lord before me. He yes. is with me and I'm not going to be shaken. That's right. And that's, that, I think that's an incredible response, really, because I, yeah. I wonder how many people are, are, are out there that go through really tough circumstances and they do mm. question God. Mm. And actually, they say, you know what? I don't think God is very good because of what yeah. I'm going through. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think I'd encourage people that actually um, what I said just now came out of five, six, seven years of wrestling. And I think you, people who are listening might find themselves, and I've, just, I've had times in my life since then, you know where you doubt, where you doubt, and where you start to think, wonder where God is in in a situation, and I think for me that was formational, and it was good to ask those questions, because for me, you know, you go to the Psalms, and you you see you hear King David, you know, say, God, where are you? You know, and he's not afraid to say that, and he's not afraid to be real. And my youth worker when I was growing up was a guy called Randall Williams, and he was this amazing American guy, who. Um, was so manly and he used to be a fireman and he was wow everything I attained to be except he didn't play football so that was the only blemish um, <laughs> on his record but he was not afraid to cry in front of us and when that happened I was like wow here's this guy who's just not afraid to be real mm. and for me that was he was a huge role model just for that one moment when he showed vulnerability mm. and what I love about David is that he's not afraid to be himself and what I love about young people in my role is that they're often just very real and honest. And I think what we have to learn from that, that it's okay to wrestle with with questions. It's okay to feel like, God, where are you? Because ultimately he's calling you to himself through those questions. Yeah. And I think that's what I learned. So I don't want you to think that I, I never wrestled with God, that I never asked questions, that I never sometimes sat in my room shouting at him, why, why, why? I did, but I think that's a crucial part of the journey. Yeah, you know, fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> well, you don't, you certainly don't look eight stone and emaciated, <laughs> acne now. You look a fine, fine physical, you know, um, in fine physical state. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about your work with the Bridge mm. Project. How, yeah. how, how do you get involved with that? Um, what do you mm. do with the Bridge Project? And uh, you know, what is the impact that that the ministry um, is having? Um, yeah. So thank you. Well. When I was much younger, uh, I was a youth leader in, um, in Manchester, and we said to some young people, do you believe in a God of love, of miracles, who's alive today? And one boy put his hand up and said, um, no, just the normal one. And whilst I, I found that funny, it, it broke me at the same time, because you know, I'd experienced a God and I, who, who was real, who was a God of miracles and a God of love, who was alive today. And I think I was desperate, and I am desperate to see young people encountering God who is alive today and have a relationship with him, you know, and know that life isn't always easy, but God is constant and he's faithful and he's alive and he's real. And so I think my heart for young people, um, you know, when I was at Bible college, um, in 2007, God really broke my heart for for young people and kind of confirmed that that that's, that should be my focus, you know, vocation, if you like, to really see young people connect 
with Jesus and know that he's real and not think that he's just another story. And so, in fact, my journey to faith, you know, was what I long to see for, for young people. I don't want them to think that the books in the Bible are just stories, fictional stories, because they're not. I want them to know the reality of Jesus. And I want them to lead us, you know. You know, a little boy will, will lead them. Yeah. And I want them to to know the reality of him, of him. So I think the Bridge Project is, is a really, I love what we do. Um, our big catch line is that we want to bring Christian faith, hope, hope and love to young people, you know, um, and make a difference in their lives. And there are so many pressures on young people today. It's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, a, a mobile yeah. phone, yeah. information, you yeah. know, not necessarily the most healthy content is no. available, you know, Instantly. very, very quickly, mm. um, peer pressure. Um, yeah. So how do you go about mm. doing what you do? Mm. Well, we, so we work in um, about 16 or 17 primary schools and we work in about seven secondary schools. The primary school work is all about um, bringing to life the stories that the, the kids learn in RE. So, you know, uh, often, uh, not all the time, but often you'll have someone in a primary school teaching these stories who doesn't necessarily believe in them. It's yeah. another box to tick. How great then that we can come in as Christians, flesh and blood Christians, who, and we can say, look, this is what it means for us and lift it off the textbook and make it real. And so for, for us, we want to see young people go, oh, wow, you know, I didn't realise that. We, we had an expressions of worship lesson that we were doing. We were showing young people as young as five, you know, how we, why Christians worship, who is the object of our worship and, and how, why do we worship? And after the session, this five-year-old, six-year-old said, um, during this session, it felt like Jesus was walking right alongside me. And come on, that's that's what it's about, you know, you know, and fantastic. That's just so great. Bringing the Bible alive—that's what we do in primary schools. Um, in secondary schools, we we're known as lay chaplains, and so we hope. And our experience has been that young people will will seek to make a natural connection to the lay chaplain and questions about faith, the bigger questions of life will, will surface. Mm. You know, just the other day we had a young person who, I want to become a Christian. Well, that's amazing. So so they, they came and spoke to us. And the big thing for us is the bridge project is that we want to be a bridge between schools and churches. You know, churches right on their doorstep. Um, people who care about these young people, who already pray for the school, you know. We're not about being professional Christians. Yeah, we've got certain skills that we can provide. But actually, we want young people to be blown away by the love of their local church. And um, so this boy uh, who asked about how do I become a Christian, we instantly connected him to the youth worker from the local church yeah. who's been meeting with him the last three weeks. Yeah. For us, that's what it's about. Yeah. Um, you know, we can only do so much in schools, yeah. but we'll do as much as we can and then hand over to the local church. and, and So that's really what the bridge is about, yeah. bringing the Bible alive, yeah. enabling young people to encounter him, and then linking them with a the local church. Yeah. Fantastic. So important today, mm. um, yeah. you know, to, as you say, to bring the Bible uh, alive. I remember in my own um, schooling, we had the riding lights, um, you know, the, the Christian Theatre Company yes. came down, yes. and I remember yes. that was such a, 
an amazing evening, yeah. the way they went about it, and they were they were vibrant, they were young, they were enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, because that's not always the case, that's not always how Christianity is portrayed, certainly in the no. media in, in, in our country, is it? Absolutely not. Um, Absolutely so, not. so, good on you. Good on you. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the Bible and your yeah. maybe your attitude to the Bible, maybe mm. um, your personal devotions with the Bible, yeah. how you go about that, how important is the Bible to you today. Mm. Um, so, yeah, how, how do you... How do you interact with the Bible yourself? Um, how important is that? Mm. Um, just talk about that, because I know a lot of people struggle with, you know, struggle with that. Um, yes. So they may just do, you know, right, read a verse in the morning, go to work, and that's it. But you know, how do you, yeah. how do you go about it yourself? Um, you know, I must admit, you say some people struggle with the Bible, and for me, that's been my, you know, my experience has been that I've had real moments of real times where I feel like I'm. Um, you know the Bible, really getting deeper into the Bible, and and times when I'm not as disciplined, and I and I do just live on scraps sometimes, and you know those things that you chase after. There's that battle, isn't it, with the flesh yeah. and, and and the spirit, and I think so. For me, my relationship with the Bible, my go-to has always been the Psalms, because um, not only when you open your Bible, often do you just land on the Psalms <laughs> naturally anyway. Uh, I just just like I said earlier, I just really connect connect with them. Yeah. You know, I, I love when when we were at Bible college, we studied the whole Bible, and I just love. Wow, it opened my eyes to the the narrative and Jesus being everywhere in the Old Testament, and just how amazing that was. And um, from the very beginning, you know, God just wanting to have relationship with His people. You know, and walking alongside them in, in the cool of the day, you know, yearning for a relationship with us, you know, just wow, you know, and, and the Spirit of God hovering over the water in Genesis, that really stuck with me, that, that the Spirit of God, you know, that the Hebrew talks about um, wanting, wanting to birth something, you know, and, and just that yearning desire for a relationship with us. And, and I thought, wow, that's amazing, you know. Um, there's a mother hen you know, covers her chicks, is, is, is the Lord God wanting to, to, you know, to abide with us. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And so the language of the Psalms are, is a language that I connect to, really, in, in lots of ways. And so I think naturally, the Psalms are my go-to book, um, but certainly not in isolation. But I think for, for me, the, the, my favourite Psalm is Psalm 63. And... Um, you know, that if you want to, if you want to go to that, but it's yeah, um, sure. God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek for you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In this dry and weary land where there is no water, I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and your glory. And I, and I think for me, you know, it goes on on longer than that. But for me, you know, I've I've seen you in, in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and your glory in this dry and weary land where there is no water. You know, for me, I've been in that place where there's, it seems like it's a parched land and you wonder what's going on, but God is right there in the, in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, um, and again, I think it was this longing for God, this longing for him, you know, earnestly I seek for you. 
um, I have thirst after you. And I think that I just love the psalmist's desire to go deep. That's his priority. Everything else fades into insignificance, you know. Um, and we can hold on to God's faithfulness. And I've, I've seen you. I've actually seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and your glory. You know, um, I just I just love that. I love that. And um, that's a ver- that's those early verses in Psalm 63 and mm. verses that I, I often will just recite or go back to um, and really just lift me. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, um, uh, Alex, I um, would like to thank you for coming in today. I think... Um, you know, clearly, um, life has not always been a breeze, and uh, and we know, as you, as you rightly said, um, you know, those that seek to live godly will be persecuted, yes. and I think that's a message that perhaps we don't always speak about. We yeah. talk about coming to Jesus and everything will be wonderful, and, yes. and actually, we don't say that mm. the gospel. Um, you know, you need to um, be very. Um, <clears throat> You need to know that this is going to bring opposition. Absolutely. Uh, we're studying Acts at the moment. Yeah. And you see in the book of Acts that wherever Paul goes, you know, he goes to the synagogue, mm-hmm. he he preaches the gospel, and there are one or two reactions. Yes. Some are going to accept it, yes. and some are going to reject it. Yes. And when they reject it, they reject it in a big way. <laughs> yes. And it's not just verbal rejection. That's it's, right. He's locked away, he's stoned, yeah. he's yeah. Uh, and on Torture. and on and on. Yeah. And you know it's the same gospel. Yes. It is the same gospel that Paul was preaching that, that we are called as, as followers of Jesus to to preach and to explain, but right. there is a cost. There is. There is a cost to discipleship. Yes, there is. And we need to explain that. I um, think it's so crucial. And I think for young people who are um, going to Soul Survivor and having these big these big moments of yes. um, encountering God in, in amazing ways um, or similar things, you know, for me... It's the young person when they're back in their bedroom. It's when they're back in in their school environment. You know, where's the where's the discipleship? Where's the the, the how are we being real with young people and saying, do you know what? Um, coming to faith is the biggest adventure you will ever have. <laughs> but adventures, I mean, you know, any adventure you can think of has its highs and has its lows. Yeah. And God is there in the lows. And you know, take up your cross, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. Yeah. You know, deny yourself isn't an attractive thing. No, it's Taking not. up your cross isn't, isn't an attractive thing. It certainly wasn't for Jesus. Yeah. But we're called to follow him. Yeah. And I think we need to communicate the reality of that to young people. But that's something worth doing. Yeah. Um, and that's what we mustn't stop doing. We mustn't sugarcoat Christianity. Yeah. Um, because it's far better than that. Mm. And I think I think what you've explained about the place of the, the Word of God in your journey mm. uh, is so important as well. Because yes. if, we're, if we're not in the Word and we're not feeding ourselves on the Word, the, the, um, mm. I liken it to, if I was to say to you, okay, Alex, I'm just going to give you one meal, physical meal a week, <laughs> and then I'm going to go in the boxing ring with you. You know, how strong, <laughs> you know, how strong are you going to be? That's very true. With one physical meal. Yes. And, and yet if we just have one spiritual meal a week whether that's going to church or whatever it may be then how strong spiritually we're going to be so the whole business of feeding ourselves 
on the word. And we know it's the word and the spirit. We need the spirit of God to yes. open our eyes, to teach us yeah. uh, that, that, um, that regular reading, connecting with the word of God. That's what's going to help hold us strong, keep us strong in That's these right. days. And, Absolutely. and look at what's going on in, in the country today and there's yes. fear and people are anxious. Yes. Well then, you know, yeah. um, we're going to learn some truths as we come to the Word and study His Word. So absolutely, I think it's it's so crucial, particularly in this day and age. Particularly in this day and age, the Word of the Lord endures forever. It stands firm. It, it, that has to be our has to be our base for all that we do. You know, and and I need to get better at doing that sometimes. And I think it's an encouragement for all of us, isn't it, that we I think I think we're all in the same boat, really. I think we all do. We all do. And uh, for those of you that are struggling to do that, uh, this is called the Preset Ministries UK. Bible and Me podcast. If you're struggling with that, then do contact us. Uh, we have some tremendous uh, resources and helps, whatever age you are. Um, obviously, you talked about working with young people. We've got some studies for young people, but also for people that have been for Christians longer. Do contact us. Alex, it's been a pleasure. I really, um, it's been a thrill to talk to you, to hear your journey and oh, thank uh, you, you know, so your much. faithfulness, uh, but clearly God's faithfulness to you too. Oh, and so, no, thank you so much. It's been a real, a real pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to The Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries UK. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the subscribe button now and consider leaving us a rating or review. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry or make a donation, visit www.precept.org.uk or follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Preset Min UK.